last time we left off, Hagrid was taking Harry to London. They were planning on going to get school supplies for Harry's upcoming year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. On his school supply list were things such as a wand, a cauldron, work robes, magic books, and telescopes and cauldrons. And Harry was worried about the finances of it all, of paying for everything. Hagrid told him that he had money um, with his parents in a bank below London. So that was their first stopping point when they got to London. As we are reading today, I really want you to pay attention to the setting. See what you can learn while we are going through this. As we talked about in our last lesson, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone really is a blend of the ordinary world with the blend of this magical, mysterious world. Keep your eye out for clues. See what you can notice. We're going to go back a little bit and, and remind ourselves where we left off. I like to do this when I'm reading to keep track of my thoughts. So we're going to start at the top of the page. They passed bookshops and music stores, hamburger restaurants and cinemas, but nowhere that looked as if you could sell a magic wand. This was just an ordinary street full of ordinary people. Could there really be piles of wizard gold buried miles beneath them? Were there really shops that sold spell books and broomsticks? Might this not all be some huge joke that the Dursleys had cooked up? If Harry hadn't known that the Dursleys had no sense of humor, he might have thought so. Yet somehow, even though everything Hagrid had told him so far was unbelievable, Harry couldn't help trusting him. This is it, said Hagrid, coming to a halt. The Leaky Cauldron. It's a famous place. It was a tiny, grubby-looking pub. If Hagrid hadn't pointed it out, Harry wouldn't have even noticed it was there. The people hurrying by didn't glance at it. Their eyes slid from the big bookshop on one side of the record shop on the other as if they couldn't see the leaky cauldron at all. In fact, Harry had the most peculiar feeling that only he and Hagrid could see it. Before he could mention this, Hagrid had steered him inside. For a famous place, it was very dark and shabby. A few old women were sitting in the corner drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man in a top hat was talking to the old bartender, who was quite bald and looked like a toothless walnut. The low buzz of chatter stopped when they walked in. Everyone seemed to know Hagrid. They waved and smiled at him, and the bartender reached for their glass, saying, The usual, Hagrid? Can't, Tom, I'm on Hogwarts business said Hagrid, clapping his great hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's knees buckle. Good lord, said the bartender, peering at Harry. Is this... can it this be? The leaky cauldron had suddenly gone completely still and silent. Bless my soul, whispered the old bartender. 
Harry Potter, what an honor. He hurried out from behind the bar, rushed toward Harry, and seized his hand, tears in his eyes. Welcome back, Mr. Potter, welcome back. Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with the pipe was puffing on it without realizing it had gone out. Hagrid was beaming. Then there was a great scraping of chairs, and the next moment Harry found himself shaking hands with everyone in the leaky cauldron. Doris Crockford, Mr. Potter, can't believe I'm meeting you at last. So proud, Mr. Potter, so proud. Always wanted to shake your hand. I'm all a flutter. Delighted, Mr. Potter, can't tell you. Diggle's the name, Daedalus Diggle. I've seen you before, said Harry, as Daedalus Diggle's top hat fell off in his excitement. You bowed to me once in a shop. He remembers, cried Daedalus Diggle. Looking around at everyone, did you hear that? He remembers me. Harry shook hands again and again. Doris Crockford kept coming back for more. A pale young man made his way forward very nervously. One of his eyes was twitching. Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Harry, Professor Quirrell will be one of your teachers at Hogwarts. Potter, stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. Can't tell you enough how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? Defense against the dark arts, muttered Professor Quirrell, as though he'd rather not think about it. Not that you need it, eh, eh, Potter? He laughed nervously. You'll be g- getting all your equipment, I suppose. I've g- got to p- pick up a new book on vampires my- myself. He looked terrified at the very thought. But the others wouldn't let Professor Creel keep um, Harry to himself. It took almost ten minutes to get away from all- them all. At last, Hagrid managed to make himself heard over the babble. Must get on. Lots to buy. Come on, Harry. Doris Crockford shook Harry's hand one last time, and um, Hagrid led them through the bar and out a small walled courtyard where there was nothing but a trash can and a few weeds. Hagrid grinned at Harry. Told ya, didn't I? Told ya you were famous. Even Professor Quirrell was trembling to meet ya. Mind you, he's been trembling. Is he always that nervous? Oh yeah, poor bloke, brilliant mind. He was fine while he was studying out of books, but then he took a year off to get some first-hand experience. They say he met vampires in the Black Forest and there was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag. Never been the same since. Scared the students, scared his own subject, Scared of his own subject, now where's me umbrella? Vampires? Hags? Harry's head was swimming. Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting bricks in the wall above the trash can. Three up, two across, he muttered. Right stand back, Harry. 
He tapped the wall three times with the point of his umbrella. The brick he had touched quivered. It wriggled. In the middle, a small hole appeared. It grew wider and wider. A second later, they were facing an archway, large enough for even Hegrid, an archway onto a cobbled street that twisted and turned out of sight. Welcome, said Hegrid, to Diagonally. He grinned at Harry's amazement. They stepped through the archway. Harry looked quickly over his shoulder and saw the archway shrink instantly back into a solid wall. The sun shone brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the nearest shop. Cauldrons, all sizes, copper, brass, pewter, silver, self-stirring, collapsible, said a sign hanging over them. Yeah, you'll be needing one, said Hagrid, but we gotta get you your money first. Hagrid wished he had about eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction as they walked up the street, trying to look at everything at once. The shops, the things outside, the people doing their shopping. A plump woman outside an apothecary was shaking her head as they passed, saying, Dragon liver, 17 sickles an ounce? They're mad! A low, soft hooting came from a dark shop with a sign saying, Ulops, Owl Emporium, Tawny, Screech, Barn, Brown, and Snowy. Several boys of about Harry's age had their noses pressed against a window with broomsticks in it. Look, Harry heard one of them say, the Nimbus 2000, fastest ever. There were shops selling robes, Shops selling telescopes and strange silver instruments Harry had never seen before. Windows stacked with barrels of bat spleens and eel's eyes. Tottering piles of spell books, quills, and rolls of parchment, potion bottles. Globes of the moon. Gringotts, said Hagrid. They had reached a snowy white building that towered over the other little shops. Standing beside the burnished bronze doors, wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold, was... Yeah, that's a goblin, said Hagrid quietly as they walked up the white steps towards them. The goblin was about a head shorter than Harry. He had a swarthy, clever face, a pointed beard, and Harry noticed very long fingers and feet. He bowed as they walked inside. Now they were facing a second pair of doors, silver this time, with the words engraved upon them. Enter, stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take, but do not earn, must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours, thief you have been warned, beware of finding more than treasure there. Like I said, you'd be mad to rob them, said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bowed them through the silver doors and they were in a vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on high stools behind a long counter scribbling in large ledgers, weighing coins of brass scales, examining precious stones through eyeglasses, 
There were too many doors to count leading off the hall. And yet, goblins were showing people in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry made for the counter. Morning, said Hagrid to a free goblin. We've come to take out some money for Mr. Hotter's safe. You have the key, sir. Uh, got it here somewhere, said Hagrid. And he started emptying out his pockets on the counter, scattering a handful of moldy dog biscuits over the goblin's um, book of numbers. The goblin wrinkled his nose. Harry watched the goblin on the right, weighing a pile of rubies as big as glowing coals. Got it? said Hagrid at last, holding up a tiny key. The goblin looked at it closely. That seems to be in order. And I've also got a letter here from Professor Dumbledore, said Hagrid importantly, throwing out his chest. It's about the you-know-who-what in Vault 713. The goblin read the letter carefully. Very well, he said, handing it back to Hagrid. I will have someone take you down to both vaults. Griphook. Griphook was yet another goblin. Once Hagrid had crammed all the dog biscuits back inside his pocket, he and Harry followed Griphook toward one of the doors leading off a hall. What's the you-know-what in Vault 713? Harry asked. Can't tell you that, said Hagrid mysteriously. Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore's trusted me. More than my job's worth to tell you that. Griphook held the door open for them. Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. They were in a very narrow stone passageway lit with flaming torches. It sloped steeply downward and there were little railway tracks on the floor. Griphook whistled, and a small cart came hurtling up the tracks toward them. They climbed in. Hagrid with some difficulty, and they were off. At first, they just hurtled through a maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to remember left, right, right, left, middle fork, right, left, but it was impossible. The rattling cart seemed to know its way on its own because Griphook wasn't steering. Harry's eyes stung as cold air rushed past them, but he kept them wide open. Once he thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of the passage and twisted around to see if it was a dragon, but too late. They plunged even deeper, passing an underground lake where huge stalactites and stalagmites grew from the ceiling and floor. I never know. Harry called to Hagrid over the noise of the cart. What's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalactite? Stalagmite's gotten eminent, said Hagrid. And don't ask me questions just now. I think I'm going to be sick. He did look very green. And when the cart stopped at the last um, beside a small door in a passageway, Hagrid got out and had to lean against the wall to, and to stop his knees from trembling. Griphook unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came billowing out, and as it cleared, Harry gasped. 
inside were mounds of gold coins, columns of silver, heaps of little bronze nuts. All yours, said Hagrid. All Harry's. It was incredible. The Dursleys couldn't have known about this or they'd have had it from him faster than than blinking. How often had they complained about how much Harry cost them to keep? And all this time, there had been a small fortune belonging to him buried deep under London. Hegard helped Harry pile some of it into a bag. The gold ones are galleons, he explained. Seventeen silver sickles to a galleon and twenty-nine nuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. Right, that should be enough for a couple of terms. We'll get, um, we'll keep the rest safe for you. He turned to Griphook. Vault 713 now, please. And can we go more slowly? Only one speed, said Griphook. They were going even deeper now in gathering speed. The air became colder and colder. As they hurtled round tight corners, they were rattling over an underground ravine, and Harry leaned over the side to try to see what was down at the dark bottom, but Hagrid groaned and pulled him back by the scruff of his neck. Vault 713 had no keyhole. Stand back, said Griphook importantly. He stroked the door gently with one of his long fingers, and it simply melted away. If anyone but a Gringotts goblin tried that, they'd be sucked through the door and trapped in there, said Griphook. How often do you check to see if anyone's inside? Harry asked. About once every ten years, said Griphook, with a rather nasty grin. Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top security vault. Harry was sure, and he leaned forward eagerly, expecting to see fabulous jewels at the very least. But at first, he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little package wrapped up in a brown paper bag lying on the floor. Hagrid picked it up and tucked it deep inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but knew it better not to ask. Come on, back to the infernal cart. And don't talk to me on the way back. It's best if I keep me mouth shut, said Hagrid. One wild cart ride later, they stood blinking in the sunlight outside Gringotts. Harry didn't know where to run first now that he had a bag full of money. He didn't have to know how many galleons were in a pound to know that he was holding more money than he'd ever had in his whole life. More money than even Dudley had ever ever had. Might as well get your uniform, said Hagrid, nodding toward Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions. Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slipped off for a pick-me-up in the leaky cauldron? I hate them Gringot carts. He did still look a bit sick, so Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin was a squat, smiling witch dressed all in mauve. 
Hogwarts, dear, she said when Harry started to speak. Got the lot here, another young man being fitted up just now, in fact. In the back of the shop, a boy with a pale, pointed face was standing on a footstool while a second witch pinned up his long black robes. Madame Malkin stood Harry on a stool next to him, slipped a long robe over his head, and began to pin it right to the right length. Hello, said the boy. Hogwarts too? Yes, said Harry. My father's next door buying books, and my mother's up the street looking for wands, said the boy. He had a bored, drawling voice. Then I'm going to drag them off to the racing rooms. I don't see why the first years can't have their own. I think I'll bully father into getting me one, and I'll smuggle it in somehow. Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? The boy went on. No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No, Harry said again, wondering what on earth Quidditch could be. I do. Father says it's a crime if I'm not picked to play for my house, and I must say I agree. Know what house you'll be in yet? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. Well, no one really knows what house they're going to get, do they? But I know that I'll be in Slytherin. All our family has been. Imagine being in Hufflepuff. (laughs) I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? Mm Mm-hmm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, said the boy suddenly, nodding toward the front window. Hagrid was standing there grinning at Harry and pointing at two large ice creams to show me he couldn't come in. That's Hagrid, said Harry, pleased to know something the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Oh, said the boy, I've heard of him. He's sort of a servant, isn't he? He's the gameskeeper, said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. Yes, exactly. I've heard he's sort of savage, lives in a hut under um, on the school grounds, and every now and then he gets drunk, tries to do magic, and ends up setting fire to his bed. I think he's brilliant, said Harry coldly. Do you? said the boy with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your parents? They're dead said Harry shortly. He didn't feel much like going into the matter with this boy. Oh, sorry, said the other, not sounding sorry at all. But they were our kind, weren't they? They were a witch and wizard, if that's what you mean. I really don't think they should let the other sort in, do you? They're just not the same. They've never been brought up to know our ways. Some of them have never even heard of Hogwarts until they got the letter. Imagine. I think they should keep it the old uh, keep it in the old wizarding families. What's your surname anyway? But before, before Harry could answer, Madame Malkin said, "That's it. You're done, my dear." And Harry, not sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the footstool.
Well, see you at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawling boy. Harry was rather quiet, and he ate his ice cream Hagrid had bought him, chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. What's up? said Hagrid. Nothing, Harry lied. They stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up a bit when he found a bottle of ink that changed color as he wrote. When he had left the shop, he said, Hagrid, what's Quidditch? Blimey, Harry, I keep forgetting how little you know. Not knowing about Quidditch? Don't make me feel worse, said Harry. starting to notice there's a lot that Harry doesn't know yet. He is super naive to this new world that's in front of him and he's asking a lot of questions. We are learning alongside Harry. Obviously we don't know a lot about this magical world so as Harry asks a question and receives an answer we are also getting that answer. And as Hagrid tells stories um about his uh, his life, we learn a little bit more about this magical world. Keep an eye out for the times when we can learn from the characters or when we're learning alongside the characters. We'll continue this work tomorrow.